0: Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Man, what an amazing presence of the Holy Ghost we feel in this house tonight already. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I am excited about what the Lord is going to do in this house tonight. Amen. I'm excited. I want to give honor tonight to your pastor and your elder, Pastor Bibb and his family. Amen. That's all right. That's all right. Amen. 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 What an amazing leadership team you have here at the Pentecostals of Phoenix amen that's all right you can put your hands together love them love their family love their leadership want to give honor to the church tonight for coming out on a Thursday night thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight amen give yourself a pat on the back (laughs) amen And uh, I'm so honored tonight to have my beautiful, lovely wife with me, Amanda. Amen. The Bible says, when a man findeth a wife, he findeth a good thing. So glad I found a good thing. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good to me. God is good to me. Amen. I, uh, I want to bring it down a little bit here tonight because I believe that what I have to preach tonight is going to be a little bit different, Uh, but I feel this, this, um, theme this year of rebuild is, uh, very important to, um, start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. Where do we, where do we start rebuilding? Where do we start reconnecting? We, we have been through a crazy year, and it ain't over. The craziness is really just getting started. It's, it's just now happening. It's, it's just popping off. Uh, so we, we have walked through some things together this year that many of us have never lived through before. If any of us have ever lived through anything like this before. I don't, I don't know of any generation that I know of that is alive today that didn't have Easter Sunday. I asked my grandmother, I said, Grandma, do you remember a year in your life where most of the churches in the world did not meet for Easter? And she said, I cannot remember a time where it was ever so bad in this country. That, over, that almost 90% of churches in the country did not meet for Easter. That was, it stood out to me. And so, if we're going to talk about rebuilding, where do we start? And, and, and I believe that this, that this message that I have for you tonight, as different as it may seem, as, as unique as it may be, I believe that this is a starting place for many of us. Last year, uh, well not not last year, but this year in January, um, around November, the Lord began to deal with me on the theme of 2020. Everybody was saying, "2020 vision, 2020 vision." God, I mean, you know, it, it was it was like a unanimous voice across the 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 the, the, the Christian world, not not just. I'm not talking about apostolics or penitentiary. I'm talking about the Christian world. Was It was a unanimous sound of this is going to be the year of vision, 2020. God's going to give us 2020 vision. It was, it was almost too easy. And, 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 and the Lord wasn't speaking that to me. And I was a little bit upset. I was like, Lord, I, I want something fancy. Give me something fancy. Like everybody else got something fancy. But the Lord said, no, this will be the year of release. This will be the year of the open hand. And so in January on our vision of Sunday, I preached the year that this, this, this will be the year of the open hand. This will be of the year of the Lord's release. This will be the year that we take our hands off the plow and we do not sow and we do not reap. I said this will be the year of rest and this will be a year of healing. and I, I, And I said this to the church. I said this to my church in January. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's, you can go back to Facebook and watch it. I said, I said, I don't. I said, I said, I don't even know. I said, I said. Well, now what I'm saying right now is, I said, I don't believe the church is going to shut down. I said, but if it does, it does. I, I, you, you couldn't. I, I couldn't even spell COVID. I thought corona needed to have a lime in it. You know, that's what I thought. I do not know anything about what was was about to happen, but I felt the Lord said, if you will take your hand off the plow, I will do a work that is outside of your efforts. And and here's what the Lord told me to tell the church, that this year, the Lord will heal us. That's, That's what I felt. I felt this year, the Lord is going to heal us, that the church, we will be healed this year. I said, I don't know how that looks. I don't know what, what that looks like, but God's going to start healing us personally. We're going we're to walk into healing. And I said, it's going to be more than physical because many of us need a physical touch from the Lord. I said, but I believe God is going to start healing us mentally. Now, 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 listen, I'm a pastor. I pastor a church um, of, of well over 400 people, and I deal with situations all the time, unique situations, different situations, but the biggest situation that I deal with, the biggest issue that I deal with as a pastor is all in people's heads. It's here, 100%. It's the biggest issue we have. So the Lord began to deal with me, and I want to take you today to a scripture, Matthew 26. 26. This is what the Lord began to speak to me. This is what the Lord began to speak to me. At the beginning of this year, in January, the Lord gave me this word. And I shared it with my, this is how important the word was to me, is that I didn't even preach it to the church. I gave, I shared it with my leadership team. And then I said, I don't know how. I said, I, said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I said, but I'm going to pre- I am going to preach this message to the church. I said, I'm going to take about six weeks on Wednesday nights. I'm going to teach this lesson. I said, because the Lord showed me something in this that I have needed my whole life that i never seen. He said, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him... Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Those two words right there, sorrowful and heavy. He began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. I'm so sad that I feel like I could die. Terry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. And he came unto the disciples, found them asleep, and said unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for, his eyes, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and he went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And I want to preach to you tonight on this first night, the first official night of CTA, Finding Gethsemane, Finding Gethsemane. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the anointing that is in this room, through the worship and praise that has come forth, God, through the music and the singing and the exhortation, God. We feel your presence here. And now, God, I ask you that you would do your work, God, through your word. Let your word do its work. I pray that you would hide me now in the shadow of the cross, and I pray that I would decrease, and I pray that you would increase, and I pray that your word would go forth. As you gave it to me, Lord, let me speak it to your church. Let me speak it to your people, God, so you can begin to heal us us so that we can begin to rebuild our lives, rebuild our marriages, rebuild our relationships, rebuild our anointings, rebuild our callings, rebuild our destinies. I pray it now in the name of Jesus. Let it be so and done. The church said in Jesus' name, Amen. amen, and you may be seated in Jesus' name in the fear of the Lord. I want to say on the onset of this message that one of the reasons that we struggle with prayer is because prayer cannot be quantified. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chavis? What do you mean when you say prayer cannot be quantified? We struggle with prayer because there's no specific way or time. You cannot quantify prayer. The Bible is so abstract with the concept of prayer. If we really talk about prayer, we only have a few examples in the Bible of true prayer. Jesus gives us the perfect example of prayer prayer when he says, when ye pray, pray like this. Now, listen to me. How many of you in this room every day say the Lord's Prayer? Every day? None of us. I mean, thank you. This is lady right here. God bless you, elder lady. Now, now, why, why would we not say the Lord's prayer every day when it's the only way he told us to pray? Does that not blow your mind? That that all of us sitting in this room, Jesus only gave us one example of prayer, and we don't even do it. We pray like other people. We pray like this. Oh, God, if you're looking down from heaven right now, would you look down on me? And we think that's prayer. Or we pray, Lord, we come before you because you're good and you're kind. And we want to thank you for Fruity Pebbles this morning. And uh, we all have our little prayer. Or, you know, we don't pray. Or we People don't pray at all. They just But they don't say nothing. Jesus told us how to pray. Listen, you ought to start every day of your life saying those simple words that Jesus said. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts As we forgive those that have trespassed against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. It took me less than 30 seconds to say that entire prayer. And it is the only biblical example that we have. And we don't say it. I say it because the Lord gave me that revelation a long time ago. I say it just like he said it. Because there is simplicity in obedience. Jesus said to his disciples, you don't know how to pray. That's what he said to them. He said, you don't know how to pray. He said, matter of fact, you don't know what to pray for. So when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Simple. We struggle with prayer because we can't quantify it. This dude, Elijah, says a 64-word prayer, 64 words, and fire falls out of the sky. With me? 64 words. The next few verses, he prays seven times for water to fall out of the sky. Now, you tell me what's harder, fire or water? Water. Water falls out of the sky all the time. Well, where I'm from in Georgia, water falls out of the sky all the time. Now, for here, it may be just like fire. It may be like, oh, there's rain. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Prayer is not quantifiable. 64 words gets fire. Seven prayers gets water. One guy comes to Jesus, says, I'm blind. He said, your eyes be open eyes open, done deal. He just said it. Father, open his eyes. Boom, eyes open. Another guy comes to Jesus, same same situation. He's blind. Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud, puts in his eye. Says, wash it out. Wash it out, I said, do you see? He said, well, I see men a like trees. He said, hey, let's do it again. Let, let's put some more mud in there. You need, you need some more mud. Now, if that's the only way that Jesus prayed, to get somebody to, to be healed of blindness, we have some holy dirt on this platform right here. We would. We'd have some holy dirt up here, and, and the pastor would be spitting in dirt for everybody who was blind because we would think that's the only way to do it, right? But prayer is not quantifiable. I have prayed prayers that God answered immediately, and I'm still praying prayers that I've been praying my whole life, and he ain't said nothing There's people that I prayed for and God made a way out of no way. I mean like in the, in the 24, 48 hours. But there's people in my life that I've been praying for for years. God ain't done nothing. Prayer's not quantifiable. There's no special prayer. Are you, are, are, are you, are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? So if you can pray two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night, that may be all you need. It would be four minutes more than you prayed yesterday. My God, I ain't trying to step on nobody's toes right now. But I'm, I'm going to talk about prayer tonight. And, and, and what I need you to know at the onset of this message is that you could literally pray one prayer tonight and God could break every chain of addiction in your body. One prayer. But it might take you 20 years of praying for God to really come through for you. What are you saying? I'm saying never give up on praying because it's not quantifiable. This may be the service that God makes away. This could be the prayer that God opens to heaven. You don't know. You don't know. So pray. I don't care if you pray one minute. I don't care if you pray ten minutes. I don't care if you pray thirty minutes. I don't care if you pray an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day, or thirty seconds a day. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's enough. Because it's, it's not quantifiable. There's no time limit on prayer. There's no calculation on prayer. If 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 we could come up here and say, you know, every prayer in the Bible was exactly 30 minutes, then we'd all pray 30 minutes. We'd be done. We set a timer. Boop. Ding, ding, ding. That's what we would do. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I know what I'm talking about. That's what we do. We would fall into a rut. But there are some times that I pray my prayer. Matter of fact, 90% of my prayers, 90% of my prayers are the same thing every time. Same kind of prayer, same kind of words, same kind of stuff. I follow what Jesus said. I follow that prayer. It's a daily prayer. When he said, give us this day our daily bread, that was a hint that this is a prayer you pray every day. Daily, and when he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, it means that every day I'm asking God to forgive me, and every day I'm forgiving people. <laughs> Ain't nobody want to talk back to the preacher. It's a daily thing. It's a daily prayer. And, and and 90% of my prayers is just a daily ritualistic, this is what I do. But every once in a while, because it's not quantifiable, every once in a while I'll feel him slip in the room with me. And and, and and my few minutes might turn into 30, or my or my 30 may turn into an hour, or I go to the church. I got a bunch of emails to send. But when I get there, I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to the auditorium for a little while and just walk around and pray. And sometimes I'll be in there praying, and I don't feel nothing. I go back to my office and, and send some emails. But sometimes I'll get in there and start praying a little bit. He'll come in there with me. He'll say, hey, today's the day. And I'll be like, Lord, I feel you, God. My God, I feel you in this house. Thank you, Lord, for showing up and talking to me. Thank you, Lord, for letting me feel you. But I show up every time. I show up every time. He shows up when he wants to show up. But I show up every time. Because it's not quantifiable. I don't know what he might do on the next prayer. woo Tell me what you see. I don't see nothing, God. We need rain, Lord. Go tell me what you see. I don't see nothing, God. Would, Would it not be frustrating for you as an individual to know I just prayed a few words and fire fell and now I can't get rain? But he just prayed because the next prayer may be the prayer. He prayed again, and he prayed again, and he prayed again. And he finally said, well, I see a little cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. He said, that's it. Get off this mountain, baby, because it's about to rain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It's not quantifiable. Are you with me? You need to develop a life of prayer, and I don't care what it sounds like. We have tried unsuccessfully, might I add, forever to put prayer in the, some kind of box, some kind of key. I remember the prayer wheel, remember that thing? I mean, we've tried so many things. Look like at the Mayan calendar, trying to pray through all that. Instead of telling people, hey, talk to God for a little while every day, just talk to Him. Turn off the radio for a minute. Just the only way to work, just talk to Him, Lord. I, I've been an idiot. God, fix me. The greatest prayer I ever prayed in the Bible was in Gethsemane. Somebody say Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Let me just say, a, <laughs> somebody said, I can't even say that word. Gethsemane. Open sesame. Huh? Let me tell you what Gethsemane means to me. It means three things, safe place, safe people, hard prayers. What happened at Gethsemane encourages me because for years, well, not just years, my entire life, I've really felt like when people said, talk to God any old kind of way, really meant something else and i struggled to pray because i struggled to tell god how i really felt because how i really felt was god i don't i I don't trust you this is how i really felt how i really felt for a long time in my life was god I'm kind of upset at you, to be honest. The truth is, God, is that I really don't think you had my back. Why, why did you let that happen to me? I never said it, Brother Bibb. It was always in my heart. Always. Because as a small child, as a young boy, I was wounded in a way that can never be reversed. I was hurt in an evil way. And my whole life, there was a prayer inside of me that I was told I couldn't pray. And the prayer that was inside of me that I I was told I couldn't pray was the prayer of why? God, why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you... Stop this person. God, if you're omnipresent, you were there and you let it happen. This was a prayer that I had in my heart, but I never prayed it because I didn't have a safe place with safe people to say a hard prayer. Let me tell you what happens at Gethsemane. Gethsemane, we see a few things, we see that Jesus is depressed. He is sad. Let me say, there's a few words that I want to point out to you: saddened and heavy. Anybody ever been heavy before? I'm talking about really heavy. I'm talking about where you feel like you can't even get up out of the bed to face people. That I can't even answer the phone because talking to another human being is about like digging a ditch to China. I might not be talking to everybody tonight, but I'm talking to somebody. And that somebody is who I'm talking to. Because I, there's no way that I can rebuild if I'm building on a foundation that's not sure. And, and, and I tried to live for God with an unsure foundation. Yes. I became an evangelist with an unsure foundation. I walked in my anointing with an unsure foundation. And what it put me in was mass depression. I went almost a year of my life and couldn't sleep. I went a year in complete darkness. Fear surrounded me. I did not understand what I was going through, I could not explain it to nobody. Plus, I was a preacher of the gospel, so I couldn't tell anybody. But I was depressed. I didn't call it depression then. I know what it is now. But then I was totally confused. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't get through the day. My wife would say, baby, what's wrong with you? And I would say, I don't even, I don't know what's wrong with me. If I knew, I'd fix it. But the reason is, is because I was trying to live for God. And at the root of my heart, there was a prayer that I never knew how to pray. There was something that I had to say to God. But I was afraid to pray that prayer. I was afraid to talk to God that way. Because I was told that you can't ask God why. I was told that I had to approach God in some kind of special way. Forgetting that the Bible said enter boldly. I always came in with my head down. And while I know that there is, a, there is a place for humble prayer, yes, sir, I had some questions in my heart that had never been answered, and I was afraid to ask them. And I know what sad and heavy feels like. But Jesus said, you know what? I'm about to go through the worst trial of my life. So what I need is a safe place, and I need safe people because i got to say some things to God that I don't need you to judge me about. Listen, how do we know what Jesus said in that garden? We know what Jesus said because the apostles heard him. They were close enough to hear his prayer. Jesus didn't write Matthew. Matthew wrote Matthew. So Matthew had to hear what Jesus was saying. And here's what Jesus was saying. I don't want to do this. This is too much for me. Imagine the disciples hearing Jesus say this. They watched him walk on water. They watched him feed 5,000 with just two fishes and five loaves. They watched him raise dead people. They watched him call out a name and a man come walking out of a tomb that had been dead for four days. They watched Jesus grab the lame man by the hand and lift him up. They watched Jesus heal hundreds if not thousands of people. They watched his miracles and now... This man who they respect on such a high level is crying in a garden saying, no! It's too hard for me. The Bible says he prayed so hard that he prayed so violently. This was not a patty cake prayer. This was not a, oh, Lord, I just don't know if I can do No, he prayed so violently that the capillaries under his skin ruptured and through his sweat glands, blood dripped. You ever ever prayed so hard that you made your face bleed? No, you haven't. We don't even know what, we don't even understand how that even happens to a human being. But Jesus' prayer was so violent. It was so deep. It was so saddened. He said, I'm saddened unto death. I I feel like I could die because I don't want to do this. God, if there's any way that this cup, can pass from me and me not drink it, make a way. But at the end of it, God, I want you to understand that it's not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus is praying a hard prayer. Jesus is talking to God. He's saying, listen, I don't want to do this. This is too much for me. In this moment we see the humanity of Jesus praying to the spirit of God that that was wrapped that, that 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 flesh was wrapped around and that flesh understands I'm about to be beaten that flesh understands I'm about to be wounded and I don't want to do this this is too much for me and we see a clear view of the humanity of Jesus as he talks to God face to face saying no He had some things he wanted to say and they were hard to hear. David understood it. Have you ever looked at David's prayers in the book of Psalms? Do you know the book of Psalms is literally one third loss? You understand that David, when he prayed, he wasn't super respectful. He said, Lord, in Psalms 3, in 1 through 3, he said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. Psalms 6, 6 through 7. He says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I cried so much. I water my couch with my tears. I cried so much that literally my bed floated. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. Watch Psalms 13, verse 1. He says, how long? Will you forget me, O Lord? Forever, forever, ever. (laughs) How long will you hide your face from me? Does that sound like a prayer that you felt like praying before, but didn't pray because you thought God wouldn't hear a prayer, a frustration? Oh, I come to. I, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm tearing down the devil's, his whole game plan right now. Here's what the devil doesn't want you to do. He does not want you to have an honest prayer with God. He does not want you to really say what you really feel. He wants you to keep playing patty cake church, keep saying your little cute prayers, and never get real with God. Because he knows if you ever talk real to God, God will talk real to you. He knows if you ever get serious and say, God, I've had it up to here. You forgot me, God. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. I'm weak. God says, i respond to that. God said, there it goes. That's what I wanted. I wanted the truth. That's what I needed. I needed an honest prayer from an honest man and an honest woman so I can really come down there and tell you why it really is. Listen, Jesus prayed for three hours. He prayed for three hours, a hard prayer, but He got up and didn't pray again for a week. What, what are you? I'm saying a three-hour prayer can get you through some stuff. A three-hour honest prayer with God saying, God, I don't want to do this. This is too much for me. This is too hard. My family's too crazy. My kids are too far gone. I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like you've left me, God. But nevertheless, uh, not my will, but thy will be done. God said, I'll honor you. I'll honor that kind of prayer. You come to me with all that fixed stuff you want to come with. All that stuff you heard somebody else pray. But have you ever really revealed your heart to God? God said, if you show me your heart, I'll show you my heart. Here's how he said it. He said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He said, how long will you forget me? How long? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Watch what he said. He said, how long will I have to talk to myself? You said it today, Corey. The addiction of isolation is that no one's, there's no one there to talk to you. It, it's just, just your voice. David said, Lord, I'm tired of talking to myself. How long will I take counsel in my own soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long, God, are you going to leave me depressed? How long shall my enemy be exalted? How long are you going to let the devil win in my life, Lord? How long is it going to be? How long? How long are you going to let me be out here all by my lonesome, God? Are you ever going to say anything, God? Are you ever going to open your mouth? Can I- Weird when I preach this message. The first time I taught, I, I taught this lesson to my church, and for the first couple of Wednesday nights, nobody even moved. They just looked at me like, I think pastor has lost his mind. He's telling us to say stuff that we've never been told to say. But David said it. You know what David said? In Psalms 22, verse 1, he says, "Ilah Eli, ila lama sabathani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And why are you so far from helping me? Why are you so far from the words of my roaring? Does that sound familiar? My God, my God, why? Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar because Jesus quoted David. When he was on the cross and his flesh was wounded and hurting, it was Jesus that cried out and quoted Psalms 22 when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Watch this. To the people who wounded him, he said, Forgive them. But to God, he said, Why have you forsaken me? Wait a minute. To the people who wounded him, he said, Lord, forgive them. But to God, he said, why have you left me? Watch this. Because God is the only one that can handle your complaint. You keep taking it out on your wife. You keep taking it out on your husband. You keep taking it out on your kids like she could actually fix you. Are you crazy? Like you could actually fix him. Are you crazy? Like there's something you can say to your kids that's actually going to help them. Why don't you complain to the Lord? Lord, you got to step in and make a way. You keep yelling at the pastor. You keep saying, oh, the pastor holding me back. The pastor don't believe in my ministry. The devil is a lie. You ought to talk to God about that. He's the only complaint department that can handle your complaint. We keep yelling at each other and never yelling at God. Let me say this to you. God is a big boy. You are not about to hurt his feelings. Listen, just several years ago, me and my wife, we, we, uh, my, my wife's cousin, his mother-in-law, uh, she has two daughters. Her, her cousin's married to one of the daughters. The other daughter came down from Ohio to visit over a weekend, 20-something years old, I think she was. She drove home. Uh, she stayed for a few days. She drove home. She got home, told her boyfriend, I'm going to lay down. She went upstairs, lay down in her bed, did not know a blood clot had, was in her one of her legs from sitting in the car for that long. She died. Her boyfriend, you know, a few hours like, man, she's been mad for a long time, goes upstairs to get her. She's been dead, been dead. Horrible situation, life-changing. I mean, here's your daughter in her 20s in college gone for, I mean, unnecessarily something so simple. I called her one night right before the funeral. Me Me and Amanda couldn't make it to the funeral, so I called her. And I said, "Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you." I said, "Listen, just just talk to God. Just just talk to God." She said, "I can't." I said, "Why can't you talk to God?" She said, "Because when I start talking to him, she said, I just I'm so mad at him. I just yell at him. I'm so mad he let my baby die. I'm so mad at God." And the Lord quickened my spirit, Pastor Bibb. I said, well, yell at him then. I almost almost like stopped myself like, oh, oh my God. Why did I say that? But my Holy Ghost checked me. And I said, you know what? Yell at him. I said, go outside in the backyard and scream at him. Just scream at him. She said, are you serious? I said, well, here's what I know about God. I mean, you're not going to hurt his feelings. You're not going to offend him. As long as you're talking to him. It's pretty good. She called me back a few days later. She said, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, tell me. She said, I went in my backyard. She said, I started praying. I said, God, you know, I just need you to help me through this weekend. I need you to help me through this. And she said, I got mad. She said, I started screaming at him. I said, God, why'd you do this to me? Why did you leave me like this? She said, I got so mad. She said, and I thought about what you said. She said, I just let him have it. She said, I may even cuss at him a couple of times. So I'm so angry. She said, you know what happened, Cord? I said, what happened? She said, he came in that backyard with me. She said, I felt him when he
1: come in that backyard with
0: me. She said, ever since that moment, I've had nothing but peace. Nothing but peace. She said, I know my baby's in the hands of God. I'm not worried. One more second. She said, God gave me such a sweet peace. God said, I'm looking for an honest prayer. Stop hiding behind all that patty cake stuff. Tell me what you really feel. If you tell me what you really feel, I'll speak back to you. I'll give you you the authority to move to the next thing. I'll help you. You give me a three-hour prayer of you screaming at me, and I'll get you through a whole week of torture. Yeah. Read it for you. So I don't have time to read it because I gotta finish. But, but read it, read it in 1 Samuel. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says this: Hannah was bitter and she prayed. <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. Hannah was bitter. And do you know that when God gave Hannah the miracle of Samuel, she was mad? Yeah. It's okay to be bitter. Just don't stop praying. Pray bitter. Pray mad. Pray wounded. Pray hurt. I feel the Holy Ghost. You, you Just pray. Pray anyway. You say, well, I'm hurt. Pray, baby. I'm mad. Pray. Just yell at God if you got to. Because if you yell at him, he might yell back. It was Job, at the end of Job. You know Job's more than two chapters, right? Job's like 30-something chapters, long book, hard read. Once you get past the good stuff of everybody dying, whew, super boring. It starts out Rambo and turns into Pride and Prejudice. Some of y'all are not going to get that because you're so saved, but the rest of y'all, just trust me. Super boring book. Past the third chapter, it's just a bunch of people talking. Blah 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 blah. Job finally gets up. He's like, "Yeah, God, you did this to me. You took everything." In the beginning of the of the book, Job's like, "I'm not going to say anything to God." You know, though he slay me yet, shall I live, and he gives and takes away. Yeah, we got it. That's pretty. That's pretty. Keep reading. Keep reading the book. The end of the book finally, Job breaks down and says, You know what it is, God, you did me wrong, You, you, you hurt me, you took my kids. Job gets so mad, he finally starts yelling at God. He said, God, why did you do this to me? And for the first time in the book, God talks back and God says, Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Who do you think you are? And you may say, Oh, wow, look, God's rebuking Job, it don't matter. As long as God's talking, I'm good. I just want to hear his voice. I don't care if God yells at me. I just want to hear. At least I know that you heard me. You're missing it. You think it's a rebuke, but keep reading. The Bible said Job was exceedingly glad because he heard the voice of God. And I thought God left me. I thought God hated me. I thought God was never going to talk to me again, but he said something. Thank you, Lord, for the rebuke. At least I know I'm alive. (laughs) Some of y'all ain't heard from God because you ain't been honest with him. Some of our greatest wounds in life are from him. So what do I do with that? What do I do with that, Pastor Chavis? If some of my greatest offenses in life Are at God. What do I do with that? Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. You keep pretending like it's okay. If you're married in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're married in this room and you keep saying, What's wrong? Nothing, I'm good. She keeps cooking. Keeps cleaning, watch. Keeps being intimate with you, but you know ain't something right. We was intimate, but something ain't right. In, any husbands in the room? I mean, am I talking? I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it PG, but listen. You know it ain't right. Something something wrong, something off. It's, it's just not, it, 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 it's, it, it's not what it used to be. I know you're performing your wifely duties. I know the bride is just trying to keep the groom happy but something's off. And you keep coming to church with your suit and tie, but something's off. You keep coming to the front praying, but something's off. You keep trying to be intimate with a God who you don't even trust, and something's off. Anybody want to talk back to me tonight? You keep, you keep coming and shouting and worshiping, but deep down inside, something's off. And, and the lover of your soul is saying, oh yeah, he's talking to me, but something's off. And when you finally, when she finally breaks down and says, well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you said this, and you hurt me, what does it give you a chance to do? She say, babe, I'm an idiot. You knew I was dumb when you married me. I'm so sorry. And you have what we call, we have reconciliation. And what God wants to do in this building tonight is reconciliation. God wants to hear all your complaints. Listen, do you know why the children of God got in trouble for murmuring? It wasn't because they murmured to God. is they murmured about God to each other. If they would have brought that complaint to God... He would have fixed it. But they brought it to each other instead. They weren't talking to God. They were talking about God. They weren't talking to Moses. They was talking about Moses. And God smote them for their murmuring because they did not trust God enough to talk to him. And they did not trust Moses enough to talk to him. But they talked amongst themselves. And you keep telling your girlfriend all your business, but you ain't told God one time. Oh, but God knows. No, he doesn't. He needs to hear it from you. You keep coming to church, pretending like everything's okay, and there's something between us. Hmm. Rage before God. The offense of another is the only way to take the offense off of you. If you're gonna get mad, get mad at God. (laughs) If you're gonna yell, yell at God. We keep saying, oh, just pray about it. Oh, yeah, you need to pray about it, but how are you praying? We need experience, not concepts. That's why I started tonight by telling you that prayer is not quantifiable. I don't want you to have the concept of prayer. I want you to have the experience of talking to God and hearing him talk back. In a voice, in an action, in a moment. At my darkest place in life. And I'm I'm closing. You know what? I got so much more to preach, y'all. I'm literally this. I've only scratched the surface tonight. I taught this for six weeks at Truth Chapel. I've only scratched the surface tonight of really what I feel the Holy Ghost is speaking to the church. Because if you want to be healed tonight, you need to deal with the greatest hurt in your life. Most of us live in a tight circle around our deepest wound. I'm, I'm gonna just say that again just because some of y'all are just looking at me like I'm crazy. Most of us live in a little tiny vicious circle around our deepest hurt and our deepest wound. We can't let it go. And we've talked to counselors and mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters, but really who are you wounded about? who? Who, who are you really, really mad at? In my deepest, darkest place in my ministry. Now, I was preaching, people getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. I would preach and come back to my hotel room, fight the devil all night long. long, long. I'd, I'd come to the pulpit depressed, Pastor Bill. I mean, just like, I don't want to be here. I'd come up there. I begin to sing a little bit or whatever, and the Holy Ghost would come on me. I'd preach fire from heaven. People would get the Holy Ghost, get healed, get out of wheelchairs, blah, blah, blah. Everybody would be delivered. I go back to the room, still bound, fighting the devil, fighting the enemy. I was in California in the mountains. I was doing a, a youth revival for Pastor Haney. I've been in the mountains with his with his youth team. Probably hundred kids there. Every night of that of that little retreat every night I mean we had breakthrough people kids were being literally delivered I mean I'm talking about church kids who the devil was coming out of these kids I mean they were possessed it was every night was like we would go deep 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 I'd go back to the room fight the devil all night long Saturday morning I was getting up go down back down the mountain preacher with the Haney on Sunday I woke up that morning I was so fed up. I hadn't hardly slept. I hadn't hardly slept. That slipped out. I hardly had no sleep the whole week. I was exhausted mentally, physically. And I got on my knees in that room. And here's what I said. Here's what I said I said, I'm done. I'm going to go down this mountain, I'm going to preach Brother Haney, and I'm flying my carcass home, and I'm done. Here's what I said. If I yelled it in this little tiny cabin in the mountains, I said, if you don't help me, I'm done. I was mad, I was furious. I had been praying for almost a year. God help me. Fasting. Reading my doing all the stuff that I had been told to do. And I said, if you don't help me, I'm done. I'm, I'm, oh, it's over. I'm going home. I'm going back to my job. This is, this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I can't handle this. I'm done. It's over. If you don't help me, for a year, God had not said a word to me. I couldn't get him to talk to me. I felt just like David. How long will you hide your face from me forever? And I said, if you don't help me, I'm done. And I got up. I felt good. I felt good about myself. And I was, I was, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, there, I got it out. And I went, and took a shower, and I was packing my bags, and my phone rang. I looked down, Ron Libby, and 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 I felt, hey man, he's a great, great guy. I felt like answering that phone about like I felt getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. Listen, if, you, if you're if you in this room t- tonight and you know what, real depressed, I'm not talking about you was sad one time. If you've ever been depressed, like legitimately depressed, you know talking to people is difficult. I saw that phone ring, Ron Libby. I had a battle in myself, should I answer, should I, not? I don't know, does what, what he call me about? Oh, I mean, my, oh my goodness, like I really got to talk to this guy. I said, you know my, my answer. Pick the phone. Praise the Lord, Brother Libby. How you doing? He and you know, Brother Libby, praise the Lord, Brother Chavis. <laughs> praise the Lord, Brother Libby. How, how are you today? How are you this morning? You know, we you know, you know how we do, put on our good side. Yes, hey, yeah, man. Praise the Lord, brother. God bless you. How are you? He said, the Lord told me to call you. I said, okay. He said, He told me that you needed help. I finally yelled at God. I finally let my true self speak. I mean, what I was really feeling. I had been praying for a year these little prayers like, Lord, if you just would. But I had really got serious with God, and I said, God, if you don't help me, I'm done. I I, I laid out that Gethsemane prayer, and God sent me a man that I could trust. And when Brother Libby said, God told me you needed help, I knew God heard me in that room. And that's all I needed to know was that God heard me. That's all I needed. I began to weep and to cry. And I wasn't necessarily healed in that moment. But my wife will tell you, Brother Libby helped me through One of the most difficult times in my life. He knew what I was going through. He began to show me scripture in the Bible. He began to tell me, Court, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. He's the one that got me to a place where I really started praying to God and really started saying, God, what is it? Show it to me. I'm ready for it. And God told me it's unforgiveness. And when God told me that I had not forgiven the person that hurt me when I was nine, I yelled at God again and told him, no, I will not forgive him. I refuse. That's mine. You can't take that from me. And me and God argued because I did not want to let that go. I felt like I had a right to be angry because of how he hurt me. But God said, no, you got to forgive him. And and, and listen, this was more than just like unforgiveness, y'all. I hated this human being. When he died and at his funeral, everybody cried. I was only 16. And I was crying because I'm not the one that killed him. I wanted to kill him so bad. I dreamed about it. I daydreamed about killing this man, myself. I hated him with the vehement hate. And it was only in that moment when I argued with God that God revealed it unto me and said you have unforgiveness in your heart and the reason that you can't get away from this vicious circle around your greatest wound is because you won't let this man go and i drove to his grave and stood over his grave and when i said the words i forgive you god put empathy in my heart for him all of a sudden i felt sorry for him i didn't hate him anymore i said oh my goodness i see now that wounded people wound people this man was broken this man was wounded Y'all don't want to hear me right now because some of y'all don't want to deal with what I'm talking about. You got to really tell God what really happened to you. You got to really tell God, God, I'm not okay with this. You got to really tell God, God, I don't want to do this. This is too much for me. I don't want to walk down this road. But nevertheless, whatever you will, thy will be done. Stand with me. I told you this message tonight would be a little bit different told you this message tonight would be a little bit off the beaten track but do you really want to rebuild I'm listen I want pay attention to me right now listen to me do you really want to rebuild really honestly if you really want to rebuild then you need to tear down the fake foundation that you have built The problem with church is that it's easy to hide here. All it takes is a certain amount of dressing skills. All it takes is a certain amount of worship. All it takes is to learn how to say amen at the right time. My God. It is easy to blend in here, y'all. I don't know if you know this or not, but most of us, we're addicted to church because we, we hide here. We, we go home and we tell ourselves lies like, we're okay. We're doing good. I went to church today. Check that off. I, I sang in the choir. I, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. When we know that we are living our lives in a vicious circle around our worst wound. And the reason your marriage can't flourish is because you're not healed. Not really. And the reason you can't connect with people and trust people and the reason that you struggle with intimacy and struggle with trust is because you're not a healed person. You're still hurt. But tonight God is calling us to Gethsemane. Safe place. Safe people. Hard prayers. Raw prayers. Tell me your name. You want a blessing? Tell me your name. Well, that's easy. I'm Jacob. Well, it wasn't easy last time because last time somebody asked you what your name was, you lied and said it was Esau. Tell me your real name. Well, I'm Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a supplanter. I'm I'm a thief. I'm, I'm fake. I'm a farce. I've been lying this whole time. I cheated my brother. I cheated Laban. That's what I do. I cheat, man. I'm Jacob. I've been cheating. I've been faking this whole time, man. I don't even know who I really am. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm just a big faker. I'm really hurt and wounded. I'm I'm really just Jacob. Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob. What? Yeah, because you told me who you really were. I'm going to change who you really are. That was the key. The key was you telling me the truth. When you told me who you was and you were honest about it, now you shall no longer be called that. Now I will call you Israel. And like a prince, you shall have favor with God and man. He said, I'll change. If you'll tell me the real deal, if you'll break it down for me, I'll change you. And you can build on an Israel foundation and kick that Jacob foundation to the side and say, That's not me no more. I'm Israel now. I'm, I'm different now. I'm governed by God now. I'm a new creature. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. Why? Because I got healed of my wound. Is it still there? Yes. Do you still think about it? Yes, it's still there, but it doesn't control me anymore. It's still in the vehicle with me. It'll never leave my life. It's still in the vehicle with me. The only thing different is now I'm behind the wheel. It's not behind the wheel. I'm let me take that back now. God's behind the wheel and I'm letting God direct my life. I'm never going back to that place again. And I'm not going to live in this vicious cycle around my deepest wound. But I'm going to go to a garden and pray hard prayers and say, God, this is too hard for me. As every head bowed as every eye is closed I want to ask somebody in this room if this message has been for you it may not have been for everybody but if this message has been for you tonight I wonder if you would come down to an altar find that garden of gethsemane listen this is a safe place uh, surrounded by safe people my god I feel the holy ghost here so strongly oh kote see Oh, my God. My God, I feel the chains falling right now. I feel the wounds of the past. I feel the wounds of the past being broken. My God, people are weeping before they even get down to the altar. Hearts are breaking before they're even getting down here. Come on, say that prayer, sir. Say that prayer, ma'am. And if you don't even know what to pray, just pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit make utterance for you. My God, my God. God. I see the tears falling. Come on, this is Gethsemane. Somebody's finding Gethsemane tonight. Somebody's finding that place. Oh God, why hast thou forsaken me? God, why have you forsaken me? This is how I really feel. God, I really feel like you left me alone. I really feel like you could have made a difference. But God, not my will. But thou will be done.
1: Woo, my Erebosheka.
0: Hekondo, Yorobosi.
1: I'm caught up in your prayer. I'm let it flow
0: now let it flow now
1: hey just
0: hey condo yo
1: see hey i'm caught up in this whole
0: if you really want to rebuild, rebuild on something strong. Rebuild on forgiveness. Rebuild on wholeness. Rebuild on a healed foundation. Come on, God's going to heal us. God's going to heal us. God's going to heal us. Like really healed. I'm sorry. Somebody and tell them the truth tonight.
1: Tell them the truth, go the
0: motions, God. I, I've been mad at you, God. I've been, I've held some things against you, Lord, because song you were able to do it and you didn't do it. God, you could have saved my child, but he died, and I've been mad that you didn't save him. You. God, you could have saved my marriage, but you didn't. And I'm angry at you, God, because I I know you could have saved my
1: marriage. God, you could have stopped them from hurting
0: me. You could have stopped them from hurting me, but you didn't. And I'm hurt, God. I'm wounded because you didn't come through for me.
1: Why, God? Why? Why? I'm caught up in
0: your One of the greatest prayers you can ever pray is why, God? And because just he just might tell you. He might tell you at why. Your feet. He might say, I did it because you have a ministry. He might say, I did it because you're going to help somebody else. I let you go through it. Because you are called to greatness, I let you walk through this pain because you're going to help somebody else with the same pain. this is beautiful this is beautiful right here God is healing somebody somebody get caught up in this holy moment come on he's walking through this room right now he's walking through this room He's looking for an open heart to step into. Oh, I'm not God. oh, God, I pray you heal him tonight, God. Heal him tonight, God. And
1: Jesus, Let it flow, God. The healing of heaven flow you. Oh, my god he allowed it he allowed
0: it he allowed it and nothing because he loved you he allowed it because he loved you
1: nothing heal he heal restore renew Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else We're Just one. Heal God, heal, heal, heal. heal.
0: Now, there's something happening. There's something shifting. There's something shifting in your mind right now. There's something shifting in the atmosphere.
1: Come on, let it happen. Let it happen.
0: Let it happen. Come on, let it take over your soul. Let it take over your soul. Come on, Zion, travail. Come on, Zion, travail. Come on, Zion, travail.
1: And nothing else, nothing else will do. I just in your presence And I just wanna sit here.
0: Before we go tonight, I want to, I feel something in the Holy Ghost to say. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Bibb in just a second. I want to encourage some elders in this room. It's never too late to rebuild. I don't care how old you are. I feel this resistance in the room because I, I know there's some people that say, you know what? I've held on to it this long. Might as well just keep hanging on to it. Pastor Bibb, I was 33 when I went to the grave. 33. From the age of 9 to 33. I lived in a vicious cycle around that wound. I was no more than a month or two or three months away from it. Sometimes maybe a year I would get away snatched back. I could never break free from it 33 years old Listen And pastor Bibb knows my mom and dad I was 40 When I told my mother and father I Was a 40 year old man when I finally Told my mother and father what happened to their nine year old son. They always wondered what was wrong with me. I was different than my brothers. My brothers never got in a day of trouble. But they kicked me out of school because I'd fight at the drop of a hat. I got in so much trouble. My dad picked me up from the state troopers twice. I was an embarrassment as a teenager to my mother and father I know I was I was an embarrassment to them at the age of 19 years old I overdosed on drugs my life was in shambles and I was 40 years old when I finally sat down with my mom and dad and said I need you to know something and here's why I need you to know because seven years ago I got free from it But now, seven years healed, now, the Lord is asking me to talk about it. The Lord's telling me, Court, you need to tell your story because there's so many people who connect with it. He finally told me why. And I asked why. He finally told me why. He said, I let you go through hurt so that you can help heal others. And I wanna encourage an elder in this room, I don't care how old you are, it's never too late to go to that grave. It's never too late to say, God, I'm gonna get free from this because you don't know who you can help just speaking it, God released me from some things in my life but only when I told the truth only when I told him how I really felt did he release me from those things I tried to fake it but I couldn't I tried to build my ministry on a foundation That was no good. And the higher I got, Elder, the shakier it got. Because it wasn't sure. But at the age of 33, I started building it on something else. And the Lord said, go start a church. I want you to be a pastor now. What? And what's happened in my life over the last eight years is a direct result of me getting free. No way I could have done it. In that state. No way I could have built what God has let me build on the foundation that I was standing on. I had to get off that foundation, I had to stand on something sure. And so, tonight, one more time, would you lift your hands to heaven and tell them the truth? God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. God, I don't even know where to begin, but tonight I'm beginning. It may not be a miraculous healing moment for you. It wasn't for me. It was a process that I started. It was a rebuilding. It was a beginning. I, be, I started digging and saying, Lord, there's some stuff in me that I really got to get out or I'll never be healed. I'll never be able to lead people. I'll never be able to lead my family like I should. I'll never be a a great husband. I'll never be a great father if I don't fix this wound in my heart. So one more time, lift your hands before we close this out. And just say, Lord, I'm beginning to let it go. I'm beginning. I see it now, Lord. I see it now. I'm walking towards it. It's difficult. It's hard. I don't even really know where to begin, but I'm moving forward. In Jesus' name.